Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars with regards to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the fine folks at Double Exposure and their leading game design convention, Metatopia, from which all of these panels were recorded at Metatopia 2017. It's also thanks to the generous contributions of the panel speakers. Now let's get to the show. Episode 158, How to Work with Artists. Presented by Jack Pereira, Scott Bowmanchester, and Chris Kruder. Is everyone here for how to work with artists? Yeah. Okay, good. I don't know if they set this up, so we're either recording or not. Oh. Yeah, we're, we're totally recording because whenever I talk really loud, it goes okay. crazy. Okay. <laughs> okay, so we'll start with uh, some introductions. My name is Jack Para. I am the Artist Alley Coordinator here on staff, and I am a freelance illustrator. I've worked with Metal Magic and Lore. Um, I've worked with uh, Shoot Again Games, did some cards for them. Uh, I've worked with uh, Mr. Cruder here on two projects, one of which is the book right here. Um, Fire at Will, I was the artist on Fire at Will, and this is uh, the Intergalactic Adventures of the Rainy River Bees. <laughs> it's a bit um, of a mouthful. A bit of a mouthful, but it's a, it was a fun project. Uh, you want to go? Uh, yeah, Scott Bowmanchester. Um, I actually... Uh, done a couple t-shirts for Dexacon, actually one of them, and um, I do mural work, and I do, uh, I've worked on a few games already, so it's a very exciting time for me, and enjoy it a lot. Uh, I'm Chris Kreuter. I'm really here to give the panel a, a perspective from the publisher. So I've had the pleasure of working with Jack on a board game project. I used to be the co-owner of Masquerade Games, uh, which is still kind of around in a weird legal legal loophole right now. But uh, I'm also a writer. I got uh, Jack and I, Jack was the illustrator for my book, which just released uh, about two and a half weeks ago. Um, so I've, I've gone through that process with artists, and I've been an artist and graphic designer in my own right, so I know the process. But uh, I trusted the guys like these guys who have a lot more talent to really bring my worlds to life. So, you know, if, for, whether it's a board game or, or RPG or a, a book, I can give you that perspective of the process, so. Okay, uh, we've done this panel a couple times in the past. Usually the way we do it is we have a bit of an outline and uh, follow that for a bit, but we'll do some, we're happy to do Q&A as well. If you have any questions in the process pertaining to what we're talking about especially, just, you know, raise your hand and we'll. Okay. So, basically the idea of this is to learn how to have a working relationship with an artist. And uh, so, like, the first thing I have here on on my outline is where to find artists. Um, Online portfolios are always good. Most artists would be happy to have an email saying that you want to hire them. Uh, (laughs) 
<laughs> Always a very positive yeah. thing. Makes um, us feel really good. <laughs> um, Facebook is is good. DeviantArt is good. DeviantArt um, is a really great place to find good artists. Instagram is actually becoming really big for artists right, lately. Um, you know, and then conventions. Yeah. yeah. Conventions are the best way to do it because you can talk to the artists right there. You can discuss things. That's how we met. Yeah, exactly. It was, uh, what, two years ago? Uh, it was the Metatopia, I believe. Maybe three, three yeah, or four years ago. Long, I, don't know. I think it was more like three or four. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the way you meet people. You know, uh, yeah, I think I've gotten I mean, the majority of my jobs through conventions. Yeah. 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 There's artist reps as well, which are kind of like an agent for artists. They're few and far between these days, and mostly just for like, like the huge names. Yeah. Like I, I don't know any small, smaller press artist or anything like that who can afford an agent. Uh. <laughs> you know, gallery openings too would probably be a good place to. Oh, that's look. true. Yeah. That know? is a very good point. You kind of go in and see a gallery. Yeah, no, too. If you go to like a gaming convention, you read uh, Ed Beach, who does a lot of like, the land art from Magic the Gathering or something. You know, oh, I'd love to have you do the art in my game. He's gonna laugh at you because he's got he's got work for the next you know five or six years. He just doesn't have the time. So you can also have to kind of know. But there are artists out there. You might just like think they're way above your league, and they may have openings in their schedule for a smaller project. And you know, listen, they, they gotta eat too. So don't don't hesitate yeah. to go ask them. But kind of understand there's gonna be some artists that just don't have the bandwidth. But you may be able to get a really great artist, but you also have to be willing to pay for it. But yeah, um, okay, it can never hurt to have to, to broach and ask the subject like you know I'm a budding game designer and don't feel like you're too small or too far out of someone's league. Yeah, especially us freelance artists, like you know we may not always know what our next job is like right away. So it's your yeah. if your timing is good, you know. Um, contact, you know, uh, always be respectful, which sadly has to be mentioned sometimes because sometimes people are just rude or get angry if they they ask you something and you they don't like appreciate the answer you know just be respectful it's a business uh relationship um yeah and uh, and like chris was saying about the other artists don't be afraid to approach artists the worst they can do is say no you know it's you know if they're too busy they'll tell you they're too busy I hate doing it, but I've had to turn down jobs because of deadlines, you know. <laughs> um, and I, I think it, I think yeah. it's awesome to listen to other people's projects too. Even if even if even if somebody doesn't have the time to do it, it's kind of neat to actually listen to what they got planned. It's kind of neat. An artist talk, you know. To, if you're rude to one artist, you know. Word does get around if you screw somebody on a project. It just takes a couple of tweets or a Facebook post, and you really hurt yourself. Um, you know, I've been in, I, I've done independent contracting you know, in a railroad business, and you know, someone screws you. Like, I went through and made sure this guy never got another job in the industry again because you know, you you, you burn a bridge, and you can burn a lot more than just that one relationship. So mm-hmm. just treat people the right way, and it's yeah. Um. Then we get into pricing. Uh, <laughs> Why'd you look at me the second you said that? <laughs> um, you know, have an idea of your your budget and what you can afford, and then talk to the artist. Um, we'll have a whole uh, tomorrow morning at nine. We have a whole another panel that's all on pricing, and and 
in budgeting, but uh, just a brief overview now is just basically, you know, make a good faith effort to pay your artist. That was the cue we agreed on, right? That was your cue. Here's the rest uh, of your payment. Thank you. Pay your artist on time. All kidding aside, you know, that, that's, the, you know, a great way to structure the contract is, you know, these artists put a lot of time and effort, not just into the actual making of the art, but into the developmental process. So when we started down this road for the book, um, it was at Metatopia in February. I said, hey, I got this project. I know you're going to knock us out of the park. Um, but, you know, don't expect to pay them all at the end. You know, we, we, I gave them half up front, half today. Because um, it just helps get the process started and knows that you're committed to the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? Um, yeah, I almost always ask for at least half up front or if it's if it's a bigger sum I might ask for like a portion a smaller portion of it up front but that's also because I've had enough projects where something in the in the game process or something doesn't work and it gets delayed and then I'm you know I've done already done work for it and now I'm waiting months maybe a year to get paid and that's that's not right either Mm -hmm. so at least if you get half up front you know there's there's a little more commitment I have to add, this This counts for Kickstarters and things as well. So the reason most people haven't heard of Fire at Will is because we weren't great at managing Kickstarters. Um, we had had a, a success, somewhat successful game that we had funded ourselves. We didn't go through the Kickstarter channel. We didn't really know what we were doing from a marketing standpoint. And we both got really, my, the other co-owner and I got really busy with our day jobs. So we ended up just killing the projects we didn't, because it's like a full-time job and you're running a campaign and we didn't respect that process. Mm. Um, so we decided to cancel it, but Jack, you still got paid but way we instead say, let's do the black and white for the cover art, knowing that we have a limited budget where we're going to invest in enough artwork to make the really nice cards. But because that's where we're going to need to go demo and, and to boost the game. But Jack's not beholden on the thing being successful because that's basically working on spec. Yeah. So understand that if you get into a Kickstarter with an artist, usually the kind of the level right now is you need a certain amount of artwork to really sell the idea. Expect to pay for that. Um, but you can work out. It goes into your budget, right? Establish your budget before and after, so the artist knows. Okay, well, at least you know if I if I do this amount of work up here, I have a good chance of getting this other this other work. Um, but you still have to make sure that you make yeah. a living on the on the on the the part that isn't at risk. Yep. Um, which you brought up uh, working on spec is another yeah. thing on my list here. Uh, most not many artists will work on spec. Which just basically means we do the work and maybe get paid. Like that's you know this is a full time job. We don't have time to. It's a pretty good way to disrespect artists yeah, first. Maybe exactly. too. Like I want you to work for free. <laughs> yeah. Which also brings in the the exposure is not pay. Yeah. You know, unless you already have a major publisher lined up, and they're advertising it for you, you're not giving me exposure. You know, saying that you'll promote it to people and you'll, you know, if it if it works out, well, that's still a guarantee of nothing. So, <laughs> and, and quite frankly, in this in this day and age, you you really if you're if you're paying an artist to do the work, it's because you really that's what's going to make the sell. Like this book, you know, it, it, the words inside are great. I, I have full confidence in them. But this is a book made for a middle grade kids audience. If it if the art's not eye catching, if the art's not pop, this book doesn't move. So I knew that. You know, I had a limited budget when I was putting this project together, and I knew that I needed to put a lot of that into the artwork. So I said right up front, like, you know, here's my budget. Here's what I want. I want some interiors. I want, I want the cover. Mm-hmm. And we just laid, it, laid the project out and said, how much can I get for this budget? And I was on a very tight budget. So 
Yeah. But you have to know, like, you know, it's, it's, don't just view it as paying for the artwork, but you're also paying to really make your product pop and stand out. So, you, you know, it's, yeah. And like, you know, it's not going to make an artist jump at the opportunity to work on your game when they've got paying gigs. Yeah. And things changed with the project. Like, some of the pieces changed and everything like that. And we discussed yeah. it and, and went over it. Um, there was a lot, like, I ended up doing a lot more for it. Like, I did a lot of, like, character design, too, because there's all these aliens in there. So there was a lot of back work to it as well. And he's a hockey-playing alien with four arms. Go! <laughs> you, you, think, you think he's kidding, but I don't mean that's to, exactly I don't, what's in the book. <laughs> I, don't mean to, I don't mean to dominate it, yeah. but, I, I mean, this is something we talked about. It was yeah. the... It's not just the, the financial side of it, but it's also part of working with artists is realizing that it can be a two-way street. Um, that was something that it was pretty obvious what we, what we wanted for the card game, but working with Jack on the book, I, re I really got a new respect for what you artists can add to that creative process. So I actually changed, you know, based on, Jack had just taken my general descriptions, the way I'd written the characters. I gave him all the snippets in the book, and you came back with these amazing designs and these really cool ideas. I'm like, Wow, I didn't even think of that. You know, I used a jumbotron for the robot referee's head. I'm like, my mind explodes. So I went back into the book and actually changed a lot of descriptions based on the world that he created. So it can be that two-way creative street. And so when you're talking about your schedule, kind of expect your expectations to change a little bit through the process. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've had a similar. I have, I have, yeah. Where where I'd be working with somebody and then going, wait a minute, this this sounds like this could fit this way, a little bit different, and and how you visualize it. Yeah. What's what's in your head when you're writing or when you're designing a game versus what's in the artist's head, and you, and you know give them give them a little bit of room to roam free and be be receptive to that. It's a huge. I think I think it's like advantage. Um, especially with the creative process. It's it's um, it allows you to grow. Like you yeah. know, it, it just kind of like it, it it just forms, and I think I think that's what a good re working relationship does, too. If you get to know your artist and you get to talk to them and you get to, you get a nice relationship. You can talk, and and I yeah. think that it's a back and forth thing, and it's and it's nice. Yeah, that actually skips uh, is a good starting a off point for segue into another point: uh, the working process for an mm. artist. Like, uh, I don't. He doesn't give me a description, and I go straight to the finish. That never happens. I will do uh, thumbnails, yep. which are little, little tiny sketches of composition and layout and th and things like that. And I'll do character design sketches, and and I'll send that to him, and let him see, get it, get his input from him. Yeah, the, the, the logo is a great example. Yeah, the yeah. logo. We, he, he, I got seven very different logos, and I basically. You no, probably have it, but no, they're over by the table. You know, they're just get they're just spitballing ideas, and you that's where you, it's most critical for you guys to really zero in your artists on what your what your overall theme is. Like, have an idea of what the final product's going to look like. How they, if you're having many pieces, how they're all going to fit together. You want you do want some cohesion, um, and that's where the thumbnail process is huge because it may it may realize you're going down a completely wrong path. Um, so you can it's okay to say well you know all seven of these don't work. Don't feel like you have to choose one. Right. Yeah. Or or take like yeah. you know I like this element of number three and that's what we did. You know yeah. I love you know I love this element of number mm -hmm. five, and also realize what your target audience is. And this is a you know for me this is a book meant for kids. So I wanted something that was a little bit more cartoonish. So there were there were elements that were a little too serious that uh, looked a little mean. Whereas I wanted more of a I still want the bee to have an angry face, but still wanted to kind of be a little friendly feeling. And we had this back and forth yeah. where we really zeroed in on a, on a logo based on thumbnails that were very different. 
Yeah, and there were some of the other thumbnails that I really, really liked, but they yeah, just, that's but they, 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 but they weren't, they didn't yeah. work, so yeah. you know, they didn't work. That's the way the game you was. Know, I, it's like I was like, oh, that's really cool, but I don't know what I'm gonna do with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then after the thumbnail like character design sketch process, we'll uh, we'll go into more formal line work, like sketches to formal line work, and we'll I'll send that, and before I ink anything. Um, and see what he thinks about that, and mm-hmm. you know that's about saving time and money because it saves me time and it saves him money. <laughs> because the more I have to redo things, the more I'm gonna. Yeah, because each judge. stage, each stage is just. You know, so what do you I, think of this? Where's it yep. going? That's yeah. where you want it and, to go. And you always try to get those an- things answered before any permanent <laughs> stages. So ink, though I can correct ink line mm-hmm. if I'm correcting the really whole thing hard. that's when, when you're looking at final line work it is pretty much too late to make any major changes even some most of the minor ones yeah. uh, in my case you know you probably if you're, if you're a game designer an RPG designer or a book book publisher at that point I we were really I mean we were at the end of our extended deadline I was trying to get the book finished so I knew that you know when this final line work comes in I'm, I pretty much had to live with it and we, we have a little you know, the, in the book, the kids wear pants, but he had drawn shorts on them. Like, you know what? I can live with that. It, the art was yeah. great. I don't want to change the artwork, but I could change literally one sentence. So I realized that, you know, the, the further along the process, the longer you wait to give that feedback, the less chance you have because you're going to ba- basically start paying change fees and you're yeah. going to screw up your schedule. You have a question, sir? Well, uh, you just started to hit on it. Time to feedback. So I understand the, the artist timeline is going to vary greatly depending upon the project. Mm-hmm. But the feedback timeline, what kind of, how long are you expecting to wait for feedback? I, I would say longer than a week is too long because then yeah. that slows me down. Um, if it's a short deadline, I expect, you know, same day if, yeah. if it's crunch time. Sure. Mm-hmm. But if, if, the, if the time allows, I'm fine with a week, you know. Yeah, but I would say no longer than that. I mean, you figure the amount of time Jack and you guys put it art into that artwork. I mean, just single you out. Sorry. Like, <laughs> no, no, no. You're you're right on. You're right. Yeah, on. The more effort they put into that, I mean, your feedback really doesn't take anywhere near as long. In some cases, um, a great uh, early in the process, I had a few other people who were doing beta reads. Um, I had a bunch of hockey teammates that was like, "Hey guys, what do you think of these logos?" And I would elicit some feedback. But I said, listen, I need to know like in a day or two. So put that timeline on them so you can get a really well thought out response within a day or two. Um, because, you know, in some cases, artists will batch, and you guys can talk more about this, but you'll schedule things out. All right, I'm going to get this part of it done for this project. I got a day or two to get feedback. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go work on this other thing for a day exactly. or two. Um, yeah. That's where you can kind of make sure you understand that process where an artist isn't only working on your game mm-hmm. or your or your project. Yeah, sometimes it's... And, most of us have full-time jobs too, or yeah, part-time yeah, jobs. I have, that a we just, I have a part-time that we, job. We with do. We're so we're trying process. to juggle outside things as well as you know. Some of us, I, some of us spend like what two o'clock in the morning, or if I, <laughs> we're still working yeah. away. Yeah, yeah. I remember the, the the last week I was actually in Austria for work, and I was getting emails at like three in the morning Eastern. I'm like. Wait, is this me and the time changed? No, Jack's really working until three in the morning to get yeah. my project done. Um, sometimes it's like that, so expect emails at odd hours of the day. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I'm a night person, so that kind of works out helps. But <laughs> I'm not really, but. <laughs> I have a question for all three of you. Um, what would be your thoughts or perspectives 
perspective, or maybe even experiences on revenue sharing between artists and uh, an artist and a game designer to potentially uh, lower up upfront costs in a sense? Oh, um, that's a really good question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it depends on the situation and the property. Uh, that's something that I would definitely do on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, if I feel that the property has really, really good potential of definitely, you know, there's a very good, uh, the chance of it making money is very, very promising, I, I would consider it. If not, I would rather make yeah. it up front because I'm still, you know, putting in time and work mm -hmm. and I've had enough projects just fizzle. So <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it can, it can, I was saying if you wanted to add, but it can definitely be done, but know that there's going to be a baseline because you, there is that gray line where you're starting mm -hmm. to say where you're, you're pretty much working on spec. Um, you, you don't want to insult them by going down that road, but you know, fire at will, it was, it was one of those things where, you know, how much can we do to get a baseline, knowing that if the Kickstarter funds the way we need it to, to, to print the game, we'd earmarked money for you for this project. So yeah, yeah you kind of done like, you we went had, down we, that road. We had a chart for that project yeah. because we had a before Kickstarter and an after Kickstarter. And then if Kickstarter goes crazy, which is the, you know, the, 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 the dream for all of us, right? But for the book, you know, there was elements to this, you know, right around just getting started with the marketing, but knowing that, um, if and when it becomes popular, um, there's going to you know be T-shirts. I'll sell jerseys. There's, there's all these different alien designs in the book, and we own this IP. Um, knowing that if I sell a poster of the book cover, I mean, really, I'm just providing a vehicle for your artwork. So we you know we made a different arrangement for royalties on miscellaneous stuff around the world, but on the book itself, it's very concrete. You know, royalties kick in after the you know a certain number of copies and. You know, after that, this is what the arrangement looks like, and it's a percentage base. Um, this is a good point. I actually we were looking at the contract today for some minor reason, and I realized that you know if you don't don't make your percentages off of the final sales price because that can a change, um, and b if you have a sale or something, you basically can lose money on a sale. <laughs> um, I made a little oopsie. That was a good reminder to to just make make it off of the net profit. Um, the artist doesn't want to see you lose money either because that hurts your ability to to, to fund the next project. But um, realize that the royalties are, are, are that's the part of the contract when things go well. You know, and those contracts exist not just to hold the artist responsible and hold the, the property owner responsible, but it's also for when things go well. If, you're, if all of a sudden this book takes off, Disney wants to buy it, and I'm selling hundreds of thousands of copies, you know, Jack's taken care of too, but if I, if I screwed him on the contract, he can go back and like, oh, that, that big you know, multi-millions of dollars in the movie deal, now it's mine. Yeah, you gotta, you know, don't, if, and again, that goes into communicating with your artists. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, just go over the contracts a lot. If you don't mind, um, how, how did you put together the contract? Is it a third party or just um, trying to work it out? I, I have a standard contract that I use. Sometimes the publisher will have one and they'll send me one, and I'll usually compare that to my standard contract to make sure everything's mm -hmm. in there. And with, this is the point we actually stepped over, uh, so that's good to get to. Um, Basically, I have things that I want to every contract. The publisher has things that I want every contract. So there's usually a little back and forth and a little bit of changing. Most times, people are willing to, to work on the contract with you, to adjust, to, so everybody's happy. Yeah. It's, yeah. There, it's there yeah. to protect both parties, yep. not yeah, one or the other. And, and one of the contracts I'm kind of working on is uh, we're doing a little bit at a time. So a piece that, you know, 
that way it's we got that part of it done we got that part of it done in stages yeah. Yeah. A, great, work out. a great way to do that too is to have your standard contract and refer to an attachment or an addendum like so we have attachment a which is basically here are all the pieces that you're agreeing to and we changed that you mentioned earlier yeah. through mm -hmm. the middle of the process we realized that like, here's the deadline but i kind of realized this is the artwork i really need so we changed the number of interior images but you can just change that attachment and refer without having to change and rewrite an entire contract and do the signatures back and forth but again the, the better a relationship you have with your artist the easier it is to sit there and negotiate yeah. stuff but uh, so just on the, the question of contracts, um, if you're working with a newer artist that maybe hasn't put together a contract yet or doesn't really know where to be on that, what kind of things should you be considering making sure get covered to protect you but also to make sure you're not screwing them as well? What uh, kind of like key talks should be in that conversation? Uh, key things would be uh, size and final media, Yeah, that which mm -hmm. could also be in the addendum to the contract. Um, rights what rights are is the artist providing you is it going to be full rights or is yeah, it going that's, to that's, be that's for that individual one. image mm -hmm. um, more often it's it's rights for you to use their image in that game uh, but, really but they point. reserve rights for for prints and maybe some other stuff if you want more than those rights those can be added on but they cost more yeah you yeah. pay for those rights for sure I imagine something like rights for usage in that game would be like, let's say you're doing card art. If you want to use that art also on the box, that's still the same sort of category, right? Or would uh, it depends. The, that, that you would definitely have mm -hmm. to let the artist know because okay. the art I do on a card versus the art I do on the cover is very different. Right. Yeah. I charge way more for a cover. Um, but I put way more work into it. Yeah, because that's going to be the first thing people see. And, so. even, and if you even just think about sizes with that, the amount of detail that has to go in, in a large piece versus the amount of detail that can go into a small piece are very different. So if I'm using that for both purposes, I need to know that. And what I would normally do with something like that is charge for the cover and then like a small licensing fee for the second spot. And what about using the, that kind of imagery for marketing, like on the Kickstarter? Oh, mar showing mar the cards. Yeah. Mar marketing, we put that in the contract. I don't care. You use it. <laughs> no, no, so, you, you say that, but there's a, there's a big point. We talked about this. You know, for me, you know, leading up with the book, I, I wanted to start building that social media presence before it released. So I wanted to use, like, hey, check out this alien. I had a month of previews, like, introducing a different alien uh, species in my book. Right. And so I wanted to use some, some of the initial sketch work was really, really good. But keep in mind, you're also putting the artist's work out there. So that work, that sketch becomes associated with Jack Parrott. Jack, you know, mm -hmm. still has the rights to approve anything I use for social media. He has no problems with using it. There's no licensing agreements. Use it for marketing, but I'll just make sure I approve it. So if I had taken yeah. some of the early sketches of, like, the, you know, the Bithrin, for example, versus what they ended up looking like, um, it can, it yeah. can set people's expectations of the artist that you're working with because your thumbnail sketches are not something you want out there in a lot of cases because yeah. they've got lots of scribble, they've got lots of corrections, mm -hmm. they've got handwritten notes. Yeah. You, know, you want something that's a, a little lot more polished. Yeah, a lot of times it's just it, we're trying to get the convey an idea so that so that we can move forward. To have that out there sometimes is a little bit. Yeah, and you even worked with me. You even you even said like, here's some really good high resolution thumbnail uh, you know images you can use for social media on those on those sketches. I got cleaner versions that popped. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know they're usually willing to work because that helps sell the product. Yeah, and selling the product helps us get more work. So yeah. we're we're usually marketing is usually pretty easy involved. Right. Yeah. It's but more like an expectation that 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 card art or whatever would also be used to help market it. Uh, usually is expected, but it doesn't hurt to put it in the contract. Okay. Yeah. If you're not sure, put it in the contract. Yeah. I don't think anything. <laughs> yeah.
Um, and, and just one last thing too, make sure you tribute the artwork as well. Um, you're, you're, to some degree, you should expect that your artist, you know, is helping to, you know, at least talk about your product. They're not responsible for promoting it, but you know, if they have a social media presence, they should, you know, every once in a while talk about the project they're working on and, and link you. Mm -hmm. Vice versa, when you market your book, you know, I always say at yeah, Jack Parrot when I'm mm -hmm. tweeting something, or I link to your profile, your DeviantArt profile through the website. You know, share that. Share that. You're working together on a project. Um, in this day and age, I don't think you can not do that. Should yeah. that be in the contract as well, or yeah, that, yeah, yeah? Well, there's I a general we, attribution. I, I, I have the I have the responsibility to attribute the artwork to, uh, to Jack and mention as such. Yeah, I have that yeah. in one of my. I uh, I also always put in my contracts to to other things to protect the quality of my image, uh, and well, and also the uh, that I get titled for it. Like I put in every contract. That my name is to is to be adjacent to every piece of art I do. Yeah. You know, you, you'd be surprised at how many people just don't even put your name in the book. It's pointless at that point. But at least if you have, if they forget and you have it in the contract, well, then it's on them whatever cost they incurred by forgetting. But even um, even Stella, you can go. I mean, I I keep using this example, but it's right here. I mean, you know, this is this is above and beyond. In some cases, some people just want the artist. There may not be room in the cover, but mm -hmm. you know, Jack was such a vital part of the process, and I knew that you know, I wanted to make sure he got that feeling. We're side by side, we're working together on this project because this doesn't exist without his his input as a product. You know, you, you can set a baseline that you that you're at least mentioned in the book at some part part of it, but you can always go above and beyond to help give them more exposure, um, which is a great way to you know build a strong relationship. I mean, it's. It's kind of the right thing to do. And the, the other thing that I always put in there is the artwork cannot be I was just gonna say altered yeah. or changed in any way without express commission from the artist, mm -hmm. with, the, with the exception of proportionally resizing. And I write in, and I, then I describe underlined proportionally. Pr what proportionally means. <laughs> because I've had enough times where people are just like, they, they don't understand how cropping works and they, they change the, the width or the height, right. but not the, which, which not the opposite, image which so, distorts the yeah. image. Yeah. So most often if it's just a little bit of cropping off, I don't care because I've built that into the image because I expect edges to have some cropping. But yeah, I want my artwork to represent what I did. And, and that's and that is a, that is factors. a good um, thing to kind of go to your to, oh, yeah. to your artist, and actually, you know, this is what I'm looking for. You can have those discussions right when you're having the contract and everything. Talk about the proportions that you that you are looking for, because otherwise, if we if you try to make an image fit, it's just not going to usually come out. Yeah, and this will this will be most of this contract stuff. Don't expect us to do any artwork before the contract is signed. Because then we're, you know, then like there, there starts to get some gray area legally, and you don't want to deal with that. Well, I was going to ask about that. Like, what is the process of, of feeling out whether an artist is the right fit for your project? Like, like, can you ask for like rough thumbnails or sketch ideas or things like that? Um, it like depends on how detailed you want, but normally I won't do any work without a signed contract. Um, but I have a variety of work already done. And I can say, look mm -hmm. at my website, point out like a style that you like. Right. I mean, because some of us actually have different styles. Like, this is a more of a, this style is different than what you, some of your other styles you yeah. can do. We, we yeah, all like, have that. Yeah, so yeah, this is good to point that yeah. out what you're looking for too, as far as, as far as that type of style, if you're looking for 
do you have yeah, that, that's where that's where you know mm -hmm. I work with Jack and he did these. Uh, this is more of like a steampunk type of thing. He did these architectural style drawings. He, he's got you've got the full art back at your at yeah. your booth, where it was much more pencils and very fine detail. And but I know Jack well enough to know that you know he's got a much wider array. And when I wanted a more cartoon look, I know he just knock it out of the park. Like I knew he was the artist I wanted to work with, but I also know he's great to work with. We you know, we're friends. Uh, you know, it, it, we built that strong friendship through fire at will. And at the same token, you know, you know, I pay on time and yeah. I pay well, and I respect the artist's rights, and and that's where you had started doing some of the sketch work, kind of, yeah, as we were finishing up the contract, knowing that things were going to work out. So that relationship, you know, you can really build on that. Um, so that was that was one of the it really yeah. helps kind of jumpstart the process. I guess I'm I, I'm more thinking about like situations where you're dealing with less of a known quantity, a newer artist who doesn't have a portfolio, maybe like. Mm -hmm. Are there are there arrangements you can set up where you say like I'll pay you for you know X amount for a certain number of thumbnail sketches and then we work on yeah yeah you can certainly work something like that without mm -hmm. the uh, with the artist and there's also in contracts there's always something called a kill fee or a cancellation fee if any part during the contract like either party is unhappy they give notice usually like thirty days notice and what I'll do is I'll what I put is I will you will owe a portion of the fee depending on what part of the process I am. So if I'm completely done with it, I'm going to expect the whole fee or close to it. If I'm only halfway done, I'm only going to expect half right. of it. If I'm only a quarter of the way, I'm only going to expect a quarter of it. And how does that work together with uh, paying half up front? Uh, um, you find out what the balance was effectively. You know, yeah. If you have 10 pieces and five of them are, are, are done and you, you kill the contract, I mean, then you've basically paid for 50%. Yeah. But you yeah. pay 50% up front, you're square. You're square, exactly. And that's a really simplified example, yeah. but. Yeah, if for some reason I found that like I was paid more than I the work I did, I would refund the the balance. Um, I have, thankfully, I've never had that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it, it also, like, uh, uh, if you're not sure about an artist, and if you're not sure if that's the one that fits your, fits your thing, do, um, do something a very small, you know, some, um, Everybody's got a fan, whatever they're interested in. That's closely related to that. Pay the per, pay the artist to to do that project for them, a small commission. Yeah. And yeah, if that's what you want, that's a great you know? idea. Yeah. And yeah, if issue. it's something you like, it doesn't have to be related to what you're doing. It can be just in the style that you want. You right. Know, right. Yeah. This, you know? That's true. And the, and there's and uh, an artist would be great to even do that. Just to have money. Yeah, and that's you know? that's a good point too. If you're just commissioning, right. you're commissioning just a fan piece from them. You're not paying for licensing too, so the the price bracket will be slow, mm -hmm. uh, smaller. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you're not asking to, to develop a new alien species. Right, <laughs> well, seven right. of them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, you're asking to take a known property that's a, it's a lot less. Yeah, all the know. character designs done already. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know. I mean, sixty percent of our timeline was character development and, and species development. That was that. It, yeah, took quite a bit of time. Yeah. We went back yeah. and forth, yeah. but quite a bit. you know, I knew there's right. a certain amount good. of of work in addition to the actual finished pieces, right? There, there was a lot more uh, creativity involved in the development of the artwork than just, I need you to draw a hockey rink. It was... Mm -hmm. There's the characters yeah. that yeah. You, you've kind of like made and invented. So it does take a lot, a lot of work to sit there and, you yeah, know, and then work you, on like it. Said, it works two ways because they can, they can give you a different perspective on your own work, yeah. but, you know, realize that there is, a, there is another level of creativity in addition to just being able to draw really, really good or paint, whatever. Yeah, it's a whole process. Yeah. It's a process. Could you speak to differences between 2D art and up and coming 3D art? 
Miniatures and all that. Miniatures. Mm. I can't really. I mean, I imagine the process will be similar. I'm not a 3D <laughs> artist, so I'm not as good yeah. with with that. But I imagine with a 3D artist, there would be sketches of what they want, and maybe uh, what's called a maquette. Maquette is a miniature version of it, of the final piece. Well, with a miniature, I guess there wouldn't really be a maquette. But right, right. <laughs> that's getting really. That's getting a little. Too, that's that's a lot more extra work. So some some will also. I mean, uh, from an engineering standpoint, you you saw works with three D three D Studio Max yeah. or some modeling platform to kind of give a, a concept. You know, some of your artists may have tools to do that, or if they're working in voxels, they mm -hmm. might be able to just give you a rough rough image and talk about color and lighting and things like yeah. that. But yeah, that, that's another uh, good point uh, in the process. After I do the ink stage and, and that's been approved, I'll do a color sketch stage. I won't do a full color. I'll just do sketches of like, this is what I think the color should look like. Yeah, that's a really and, important part of the and process. And that, yeah. that, that saves a lot of time on the end if, if there is mm -hmm. a change. Yeah, especially point. if you're going to like try to, if you're going to, you know, if you want your game to look a certain way and all your pieces to look a certain way, it's better to match what colors you're going to actually use in a color scheme. And, and that's, can I, I mean, I, I'm sorry, I keep bringing this stuff up, but um, understand part of the artistic process too. Take some time and understand what goes into the, you know, you don't have to be an artist, but know how Photoshop or Illustrator work. Um, how, like things like artboards, um, what a hexadecimal color code is, for example. So, I, you know, for these, I got these jerseys made for, for promotional purposes, but I had to order them three months in advance before the book came out, before you did the color. And I said, yeah. listen, like, you know, it is FE0 or whatever the, whatever yeah. that, the, the hex code is for that version of yellow because that's what I wanted because I wanted to match the one on the book. So, mm -hmm. you know, the more you understand about the artist's process, the more you can, A, respect what they do, but it also, um, it, it helps you ask the right questions. Not just during the developmental stage, but during the contract contract stage as well. Like no, knowing what goes into yeah. that final piece, um, yeah. things you, like dots per inch, you know, for for printing. If you had, well, based on what you said there, um, I wanted to get some. I don't know, maybe some best practices in terms of you know color um, to color codes because I was using HS, you know, hue saturation brightness, and then you have things like CMYK. Yeah. Well, at the in in that same pop up window where it gives you all that, at the bottom will be a set of letters and numbers. Same thing, right? Yeah. That that it doesn't matter what your CMYK is or your HSB is; those letters yeah. and numbers will be that color. Right. They'll give you. And that's that that's color. what he gave me. Yeah. It it's also more convenient for going if you're going between RGB and CMYK. Okay. No. No. So, mm -hmm. No. Sorry. No. I mean, if if the color space isn't exactly the same, it doesn't matter. As a publisher, um, whether you're doing it yourself or, or you're working with a publisher, they're going to be printing in CMYK. Uh, there are some occasions where you'll use uh, red, green, blue, you know, RGB color codes. But um, you know, for me, that was like the interiors are black and white, but technically they're still RGB images. Um, Ebooks, if you're doing a, if you're doing an RPG, pay pay a lot of attention to what the requirements are because I found out the ebooks are a little bit different. Um, so. Yeah, if you but if starting with the hex number, it's going to be the same throughout, and, and then you're talking the same language. So I would definitely recommend yeah. that. And what I would do too is I built the color palette not just for them. I had a bunch of other ones. You know, the, the black has got the black is an easy one, but I have a very specific one. The the, the yellow I've got one. Um, and share it yeah. with the artist. Uh, another option is if your artist doesn't work digitally, if they work traditionally, uh, Pantone colors. Yeah. Uh, Pantone is a color matching system where they have qu uh, quality controlled color swatches like kind of like uh, 
like swatches in a paint store um, that are a specific, specific color. And there's, and Photoshop even has them integrated into it as well. Um, but those are, I mean, they're not cheap, the Pantone books, but the, that's another way, especially with a, a tradi- completely traditional artist, to, to match that color. And you can ask them up front, do you have a Pantone book, you know? And keep in mind that you actually you can use, leverage that not just on the artist side, but on the printing side. Because you know, what that looks like on the screen is very dependent on, on the screen brightness. Um, and the screen quality, you know, mm-hmm. an LED screen versus, you know, the old uh, tube monitors, you know, very different color profiles. Mm-hmm. And but what, com- what comes in the final printed book, you know, can be very different. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I, Pantone's I, a great way to know, like, I paid, you know, I paid however many books to get, to get my game printed. Why does it not match Pantone, you know, 456? Yeah. You know, it's yeah. a 452. Yeah, totally even different. if, you know, something like this, which is a four color process, yeah. which is not actually individual colors, it's cyan, magenta, yellow, and black all mixed is how this process is done. You're not going to get any exact Pantone with that, but if I have a Pantone to, to reference, I know it's going to at least be close. And if, you, and if you do work with an artist that doesn't use a digital process at all, and the expectation is they're going to hand you like final art, and you start scanning it in and things like that, then you, you really have to pay attention. To it. And you may want to, this is a point I, I wanted to bring to the panel too, is when you're working with an artist, understand what their limitations are, um, or understand what they they're not willing to do. I know early on in Fire at Will, you're like, you know, I really want to do this part of the project, but the logo, you know, you weren't, you didn't really feel like you could do justice to the logo. So I found another graphic designer to do the logo for that game. You know, this uh, this this process here, you know, I did all the graphic design in the book, and I did a, all the other alien logos, but I wanted Jack to do the B logo because I wanted that more cartoon yeah. look. And I know we we yeah. were very open and honest about what worked for both of us. Yeah, but you get it. Sorry. No. And I'm honest about that, too. Mm-hmm. I'm not good at logos. They take me a very long time, and the amount I have to charge for that amount of time is not worth the, yeah. the publisher's money, and nobody's happy at the end. So I'm like, I don't do logos unless they're very much an illustration. But you may be getting pieces of artwork from different sources, and you it's, it's ultimately up to you to really make, unless you have a, a, a you know, publisher that you're working with, you know, the publisher's responsibility to make sure they're all cohesively linked. So making sure the colors match. If you're working with two different artists, the artists aren't talking about your game. Um, in 99.9% of cases, it's really up to you to be that communication channel. And you have to realize that your contract and your relationship and what you're, what you're committed to to that artist is different in each case. Um, so that's where the better organized you can be is as a, think of it almost as a, like your program manager. Um, that's what I do my day job, so it's easy for me to really compartmentalize and say, okay, these are the things that I need to do. These are Jack's responsibilities and, and keep communicating. Are there any other questions? We've got about 15 minutes yeah, left. I um, so, I, as a game designer, I purchased, uh, I think, a set of small icons to put into the game. And that's without a contract. It was really just, you know, money spent versus, you know, icons. I was just wondering, are there any kind of implied set of rights that's given to me? or Not really. Well, no. Uh, when, you, when you bought the icons... Right. You probably bought rights of some kinds. There, there's always some fine print. I'm going to use Shutterstock as a great example. Um, I printed an abstract strategy game uh, that used some Shutterstock images. And I was very, very certain about what rights I had to it. Um, um, did you use? Was it? Was it com- commissioned from an artist? Yes, it was considered. Okay, uh, that's a little more wishy-washy. Um, you don't have a. Put, let me put it this way: you don't have a contract, so neither of you are protected. So he could, he could, you know, if he had a problem, he could sue you. 
and you could say, but no, I own it, and then it'd be a legal battle. See, the, contra- so, the, the contracts are important because they both not only protect the artist, but they also protect the person that's actually... Because yeah. the contract, you should be going in together, working on it together. So, so you don't want to get sued if your game is successful. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, you know, you, you really got to be up front with, us, with, the, with the contract stuff. And, and font designers are artists, too, in their own way. Um, if, you know, I, I yeah. use this uh, Raider Crusader font, and I paid for it. Mm-hmm. I went online, I found the artist, I found out what his rights are. And they're, they're usually plainly published if you know where to look. Um, so I said I want full usage rights for whatever I use this font for for this particular project. I don't own the rights to this font for anything other than this book. So understand that, too. If you use an icon for a specific game, you own it for that game, not all of your games. Unless you write the license yeah. that way, but expect to pay for it because that artist doesn't know that you're going to publish 15 games with his artwork. So remember, yeah. it's always tied to that specific All, property. Also important, especially with sites like DeviantArt, is the artist from this country because it's a very international site, and and rights and copyrights are very different between different countries. So make sure that's where a contract is very important. And some countries do not respect those laws at all. Yep. <laughs> And there are international copyright laws. I have no idea what they are because they're very confusing. And they're all but. pretty much unenforceable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Here's a rule. And, and, and that's the other thing, too. If you really are uncertain on that contract and you're talking about maybe a larger Kickstarter where you're expecting a, lot, a big exchange of money, um, it can't hurt to spend uh, you know, 100, 150 bucks and just talk to a lawyer about it. You know, ask for a half hour, an hour of their time and show them the contract. It doesn't take long for these guys to review it. Especially if it's an asynchronous communication, you know, find a lawyer online that can say, "Hey, like, I've got this contract. Can you just take a look at it?" Um, someone's got a, you know, a friend of a friend. In my case, I got lucky because the other co-owner of the game company was an IP attorney, so oh, yeah. he had written the original yeah. contract for Fire at Will. We basically used that as the baseline for the book, but then made made some small changes. But we had the relationship where we trust each other, and we knew we weren't gonna, we're all gonna work out. So sometimes you get lucky. Yeah. But you know, talk to your friends who are game designers. Talk to people here. There, there are lawyers that may also be game designers that are willing to help out. Maybe give you an example of what they've done in the past. But if you are talking about a, a bigger project where there's a little bit more risk, um, it doesn't hurt to give that advice. It is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, um, and if you really need an example of a contract, there's the Graphic Artists Guild Pricing and Ethical mm-hmm. Guidelines book. Learned a lot uh, of that thing. Here, here's a, here, it's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> it's ways. It's heavy. Um, <laughs> you've, got, you've got a copy with you. At the, at the yeah, yeah. Something. I have a copy on my table too. <laughs> I, I was going to bring it to the pricing. I didn't think about this one. Um, it is basically they survey a bunch of artists, find out what mm-hmm. they charge for things, and they publish it. Is essentially what it is. But they also have a whole bunch of standard contracts in the back of all different types. It basically covers. Every kind of illustration and graphic design that you want to uh, license yeah. or legal, and it's like that's what it that's what they do. Um, they put it out every three to four years. Mine is quite a bit older because yeah, I'm waiting for the next older, one yeah. to come out. Yeah, mine's older. Because I know too. as soon as I buy one, is of like, like mine's like eight years old. As soon as I buy the four year old one, they're going to bring out one. So, <laughs> and it's not nighttime reading. No. <laughs> But is it, it I, is think, I think I'm falling, I think I fall asleep a few times in that book yeah. trying to figure yeah. out what it's saying. <laughs> yeah, but worst case scenario, they have standard contracts in the back and stuff that you can use. And if you're not sure if an artist is charging you a fair rate, it's a really good place to find out because they'll talk about sizes and color and what the yeah. going rates mm-hmm. are for something like that. So if you're not sure, especially if it's someone, uh, he, uh, the gentleman here had asked a question about, you know, how do you know if it's a newer artist, someone who hasn't worked? They might not know either, and they may not be pricing themselves properly. 
Isn't that also kind of market dependent, though? Yeah, like, you know, it's a little like yeah. Uh, gonna I, you're gonna find you're gonna find that uh, you know certain yeah. certain areas depending on what you're looking for. I I think more than 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 regionally uh, varying, it varies more by uh, market size. Like I charge a lower rate for small presses than I do mass market, right. mm-hmm. because I know that mass market has the budget and that they're going to sell a lot more of my product so i should make more off of it but smaller press they're not gonna it's not going to reach as wide of a a market so and the popularity of the artist too you know artist has a hit game all of a sudden there's a lot of other major publishers going to come knocking that you know they may just be very busy but they might be willing to work you know this is my rate now because this is yeah, what I can charge. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, even the graphic artist skill has market size differences in it, yeah. and that's basically what I, I do. I, I tier it depending on the size of my market, because I also know that the smaller the smaller publishers don't have as much of a budget. But you know, I'm not promoting. I'm not. It's not selling to as large of a, a market, so I'm not as worried. But working is better than not working, right? Yeah. It's also about the <laughs> yes, bandwidth. Yeah. You may be yeah. make it a great artist who just has like a two month hole in their schedule. They, they, they'll fill it with your project, and they'll make a little bit less than their normal rate. But it's work. You know, yeah, they will work with you on that as long as you're upfront about your budget. If you, if you know, if I, if I had gone and said this is my budget, and then two months into the process, oh, it's really half that. Um, that's a great way to give them a red, red alarm. Like, yeah. hey, you know, that's usually when you start thinking about kill fees in the back of your yeah. mind. Mm-hmm. If your project goes up, they're more than happy to hear that. But there also is a point in the project where that can be too late. You know, I was like, hey, Jack, you want to do this one more piece of art? You're like, I, I got another project. Like, I'm done. Um, yeah, I, I also have a clause in my contracts. Usually, if it goes from small press to large press, there's a, a royalty discussion. Yeah, we have that in ours. Yeah. Hopefully. Uh, real yeah. Quick, sorry. Yeah, no, absolutely. Oh. Graphic, artist. Graphic artist skills, pricing, and ethical guidelines. Okay, thank you. I think the latest edition is what, 14? Something like that. Yeah, yeah I think the, four, it's like 14 or 15. It's from like and 2012, I think. That's I mean, if you I'm don't want to buy it right out, there's always the libraries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they may not have the most up-to-date one, but they will have one. I have seen yeah. Barnes & Noble once. <laughs> Some Barnes & Nobles will carry it. They have a good art section. Yeah. Or art technique section. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I, when I get my new one, maybe I'll do that. I'll do right, right. donate yep. my old ones to the library. Mm-hmm. Anyone have any, uh, any other questions? Could you hold that sign up again? <laughs> <laughs> do, you want me to, do you want me to just put it here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I made this the last time I did the panel. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, how much time we got? We have about 10 minutes. Are there any other questions or you guys wanted to talk about anything? I got another question I could ask. Um, from, a, from a game designer's perspective, would you recommend ever doing some sort of co-ownership of the, the, the rights to the art? You know, not having to necessarily buy the entire rights and being, you know, open for the artist to do as he pleases with the with the art. What would be your thoughts on that? As a game designer, I'd be really cautious about that because you don't know where your game design is going to go in a lot of cases. But you open yourself up to a situation where you know they may turn around and sell out to another game designer, right? If it's maybe it's a you know, someone to publish a, a game with a board once, right? They may be they may draw a map of a board. All of a sudden, you see that same map. On another on another game like it really it kind of screws you yeah. even if you decide like you don't go down the road with that project using a totally different board you, you kind of you don't own the you don't own all the rights to it either 
So if you do want to use it and publish it, then you got to go negotiate the rights, but they may have already done something else with it. And you put them in a really weird spot. I don't... Thank you. So I, I wouldn't do it personally. Um, if I'm a... You know, a great example is Fire at William. We didn't do the Kickstarter, but I still own the rights to the art that I paid for. Um, yeah, for use in his game. Yeah, for use mm -hmm. in this game. I can't go use his images in one of my books. Um, but I know that at some point, you know, we, when we do end up doing something with this project, which is still being discussed, you know, years and years later, um, I still have, I still own that artwork. Yeah. Um, and now I know, I, you know, again, great relationship with Jack. I can go back and say, I want you to finish this up here. You know, we can, what's your, what's your rate now? Cause it might not be the same thing, but, <laughs> but I've already got, I've already, exactly. paid, I've already, there's already a sunk cost in this that I own the rights to, and I can do something with it related yeah. to this project. And so you give yourself flexibility in the future. And I put in my contracts. I know this is something I don't have to put, but I, I put, uh, in my contracts that you own the rights for this and I won't sell it to your direct competition essentially. Yes. And don't like, ever, so, ever like I won't I won't, you know, use it like if you make a game, right. I won't use this in another sell this to another game maker. Because right. that and that I, kinda hurts everybody. Yeah. And I and I and yeah. you should be putting in to protect yourself. Uh, you can yes. depending on the artist, they may not agree to it. Right. I have no problems with that because that just Angers publishers, and I don't see well, why. Yeah, it's like a red flag if an artist doesn't like that idea, because it's like, well, but how can I stop you from, you know, profiting? Yeah. Off well, the all, of this? well, then it gets into level of rights. Right. Right. And and there's rights for just the product, full rights, which are much more expensive. Mm -hmm. uh, work for hire, which no artist in the right mind should ever take. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, which is the same as full rights, except it strips us of all authorship. So strips um, us of everything. Need pretty much everything. Yeah. Um, but that that's more of like you work for a corporation that's more what that's for yeah. um, with paid leave and benefits and all that fun stuff <laughs> <laughs> yeah and don't ever ever restrict your authors from being able to sell prints you know it, posters you know and stuff like that if they have a printer you know displaying you know you, you've got the, the piece of art it doesn't have a title of my book on it but it's the original artwork it looks really cool um, don't ever stop their ability to, to sell prints and things like that because that's also a way to supplement their income as well. And that goes just into respecting the heck out of your artists because they're making you look good. So do anything you can to make them look good. Too. I mean, specifically that concern of them going to uh, a competitor to try and sell that work. That's, that's yeah. where you figure that out in contract negotiations. Yeah. And that's why it's very good to do the contract before they start. Right. But is that something... Is that something that you, if you put that, if I, as I as the designer put that in, then I'm going to you know, be uh, treading on on, on uh, thin ice there with uh, aggravating the artist by suggesting that they would do that? Uh, I don't think most artists would be aggravated by the suggestion. If okay. they don't want to go for it and you're not you're not comfortable with them not going for it, well, then it's a reason not to work with them and everybody right. should just split up Emma could be. Or, or yeah. you say what's driving the request, right? right? Like why yeah. why is that important to you? And you give them perspective as to why, because they may think when they hear it, they may think you're coming from a very different perspective. Right. Like you're trying to get away with something. Right. That you're gonna all of a sudden fight because a lot of artists might not know the implications of something like something that's a, like a smaller request, especially if it's a newer artist that has still starting out. You guys, uh, you know, have a lot of experience and you know kind of what to watch out for. Mm -hmm. But just just tell them the context. Like, what's what's the what's the heart behind this? What's really going on? 
you can have that honest conversation. It helps build a relationship too. Yeah. Or, or, or don't sit down with the contract one time and then get a then you send the contract and it'd be totally different than what. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, yeah. whoa, what is this? This is not on there. It's not what we talked and about. If, and if and if this if that conversation just ends up very very poorly and like angry and stuff like that, maybe the two the two of you don't have a good working relationship and it's better to to find someone else now than right. go through all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're next about done. Yeah. Mosey on in. Um, thanks. thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. We all have business cards up here too, so if you ever need more um, questions.